Hello and welcome to Map Bites, episode 172. I'm Elaine Giles and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Thomas. In this episode, we're hoping Timmy is coaxing, cajoling and captivating. Welcome back. And if you're new, great to have you with us. And welcome to the Map Bites family. Map Bites is a tech podcast where we share our thoughts on tech news, Apple Kit and so much more. We also review apps and as IT professionals, we share both our love for hardware and software. We're a quirky show. You need to check out the newbies guide to MacBytes and you'll find that at macbytes.co.uk. Plenty of fun from all the years we've been doing MacBytes. Do we have a data breach of the week? Do you know, we almost made it without this week. Almost. Which was when news broke on Sunday of the Ministry of Defence being hit by hackers. A Russian-linked cyber criminal gang putting details on the dark web. Details of what? Ah, (laughs) brace yourselves. Britain's nuclear weapons bases. So, nothing to worry about, only details of the nuclear weapons bases. It was another outsourcing farce, this, as the hack was via a company who were providing security for said bases. Have a a little think about that. Yes, they hacked the company providing the security. As I always say, there are no words. I am just shaking my head, sadly. Do you know, we've had the police in Northern Ireland, we've had Scotland, we've had uh, the police in England, more than one of them, uh, and now the Ministry of Defence. I can't wait for next week. I'm trying to think, is there anything worse than that? Well, I, I might not know this week, but tell you what, we will know by next week. I guarantee it. Now, talking of the police in Northern Ireland, after weeks of one data breach calamity after another, the head of the police service of Northern Ireland resigned this week. That would be Chief Constable Simon Byrne. No mention of what's happening to the person who left the laptop and notebook on the roof of their car, just before heading off up the motorway in it. Probably remedial training or something. But I am keeping my eye on that one, just in case we ever do find out. Oh, and then something we all thought had been laid to rest once and for all raised its ugly head again this week. See, Sam, if you've forgotten, that was Apple's dodgy idea to scan your photos for stuff nobody should have anywhere, much less on their phones. Done the way Apple have taken to doing business, if you recall. By which I mean, their intentions were leaked before any official announcement. I'm calling this Timmy's testing the water tactic. Great idea, Timmy. But the proverbial hit the fan. That was back in August 2021. How time flies, seems like yesterday. The complaints were instant back then. Some related to personal privacy concerns, but others addressed wider concerns. My first thought was, what are false positives? Because I'm sure if you've searched your images and, you know, you're looking for cats and dogs, it brings up things like furry pillows and stuff. So that's definitely a possibility. But the big complaint was the potential for misuse of the feature by an authoritarian government. Apple, of course, claimed this would never happen. They live in their utopian Apple world, not the real one with the rest of us, obviously. 
but it soon became clear that they wouldn't necessarily have the legal freedom to prevent such use. China being the obvious example. It's an example of where Apple have bowed to legal requirements to remove a VPN, the news app, other apps, and store the iCloud data of Chinese citizens on a government-owned server. So in light of all that, Apple could not possibly have guaranteed what it claimed. Why is this in the news again now? Ah, because Apple have finally acknowledged this. Yes, nine months after they officially abandoned the plan completely. Now, it was originally put on hold back in 2021 and then quietly terminated completely nine months ago. Their exact quote this week is, It would inject the potential for a slippery slope of unintended consequences. Scanning for one type of content, for instance, opens the door for bulk surveillance and could create a desire to search other encrypted messaging systems across content types. I think that's Apple speak, for we were wrong. Obviously, I can't be sure, because I don't think they've ever actually admitted to being wrong. Snark? No, not at all. Remember Bumpergate? when it was our fault for holding our phones incorrectly. Then there was the bent iPads, where Apple redefined what straight meant. So for any new folks, I'm not making these examples up, despite sounding like they can't be real. They really, really are. That's Apple. Got to love them, haven't you? No, not Apple. Microsoft. Something very, very cool from Microsoft over the weekend. They have a range of small utility apps for Windows that they call the Power Toys. They've been around since Windows 95, being fully revived as an open source project back in 2019. Now, back on launch, there were only a couple of apps. This is in Windows 95, but this has grown greatly since then. It's always been the case that they haven't been officially supported. And there's so many of them, I doubt anyone would use them all. But a new addition to the collection this week caught my eye. It's called Crop and Lock, which I'll admit doesn't sound that exciting. But what it does is pretty impressive. You're able to drag your mouse over an app window and crop it to show only the details that you want to see. It works in both Windows 10 and Windows 11, and it has two completely different modes. So mode one is a non-interactive thumbnail crop. It's not just a static image, though. It's a live feed of the area that you've selected. Then there is a reparent mode, which is aimed to be more interactive. Now, that interactive mode may struggle with some apps. It's going to very much depend on the app. But overall, that's a cool feature. I was wondering when Apple will get round to something similar and claim it was their idea all along. But I, I really could see myself using that. But you know when all these things sound really cool and then you get your hands on them and you, you either take an age to set the thing up and only use it once or you just use it once and then you completely forget it's there. Mm. Or maybe that's only me. Please let me know. Is, is that just me? I remember being completely enthralled when I got my very first Mac in 2006 with the widget things. Oh, I thought they were fabulous. But because you had to go into a different mode to access them, I never used them. Not even once. But they were cool. I appreciated how cool they were. 
Now, not so cool, but probably not missed by users, is the demise of WordPad. Yes, Microsoft give with one hand and take away with the other. WordPad is their version of text edit on a Mac. It's been around since Windows 95, but it hasn't had much in the way of updates in recent years. The last meaningful update of it was back in Windows 8. I have no idea when that came out, but it must be a while ago now. So to ease the pain of the loss, Microsoft have announced that Notepad, that's their other free word processing stroke text app, is going to be getting an upgrade. They're adding autosave and they're adding automatic restoring of tabs. Notepad hasn't had any updates for years either, before a 2018 refresh. And then when Windows 11 came out, tabs were added to Notepad for the first time. So WordPad is going to go in a future version of Windows, for which read Windows 12, probably released in 2024. Do you know, I haven't officially been offered Windows 11. Not that that's a crisis, since without digging out an ARM version of Windows, my VM is still using the Intel version of Windows 10. But at no point, and it must be two years now, has it ever said, you know, it's your turn now, would you like to upgrade to Windows 11? Not one peep. Not a peep. So uh, I'll probably tag along with all of this and find things missing in about 2029, the way it's going. Oh, oh, more news of Elon. In his attempt to make Twitter into the everything app, I can't understand that myself, but never mind. Elon has promised video and voice calls are coming to Twitter. Obviously X to be precise, but Twitter in my world. I have one question, just one word. Why? Well, if we relate this to another story that emerged the same day, maybe it will explain it. Elon wants to store your biometric data. What could possibly go wrong there, I wonder? Oh, give me an hour and I'll make you a swift list. Would you object to that? I was wondering if it was just a legal requirement for him to advise us of this. But it could be much more nefarious. Obviously, I tend towards the latter myself. I recall giving the first iPhone with Face ID a miss because I preferred Touch ID. I remember the launch event as they were show, showcasing it, showing it off. And I thought, mm, mm, not interested. I'll carry on using Touch ID. It never crossed my mind it was an either or situation. When I realised afterwards, as I'm going through the technical details of this new phone, there was no Touch ID. I was horrified. So I gave that one a miss. And that was one of my primary reasons. I'm claiming I was completely correct on that one, given what happened during the pandemic. Mask ID never really did become a thing, did it? I don't trust anyone with data, given the last few weeks of one data calamity after another. Would you trust Elon with your biometrics? You need to let me know that. Mail me, tweet me. I would say Facebook me, but uh, no, don't bother. No, keep it on Twitter. <laughs> would you trust Elon with your biometrics? I'm tending towards no myself. This isn't a total surprise to anybody, is it? And that was the highlights of the news this week. Wouldn't it be good if the news contained happy stories about no data breaches and things? I couldn't find a technical aspect on all our schools falling down. But, you know, by next week, I might have done. But that's it for this week's news. 
So with the Apple event only a week away, we thought we'd talk about what we're buying and not buying. Subject, of course, to a new watch, phone and AirPods being announced. Oops, did I just give it away there? Well, not quite. I'll start with what I'm not buying. AirPods. That's a definite no. I've got a pair of AirPods. I can't remember when I bought them, but it must have been before March 2020. It was quite a way before. It was the 27th of March 2019. How could you forget the farce that that day was? You'd been on site at work all day. I'd been pondering the purchase of some AirPods. I checked if the Trafford Centre Apple Store had any. Mmm, they did. It was launch day, so that actually that was quite surprising. You got home and I said, turn right round and we headed straight out. Now, I was the one waving the credit card around to purchase said AirPods. And the blue shirted Apple bloke started explaining how amazing they were to you. I distinctly recall giving him enough rope to hang himself before mentioning the two words, everyday sexism. He looked absolutely mortified. <laughs> he knew what he'd done. Silly, silly boy. He swiftly apologised. While he was grovelling, you made the decision to treat yourself to a pair as well. I'd love to say that was the end of our adventures that day, but we made the fateful decision to go to visit Barley Farm. Barley Farm being local to the Trafford Centre, it was their version of Bramley Farm, a restaurant that we used to visit nearer home. What a mistake that was. Is this all coming back to you? I do hope it is. At least we managed to navigate the new bridge over the River Irwell. You might be wondering why I would bother to mention that. Well, for the simple reason, a few days later, one of the hydraulic legs collapsed taking half of the bridge with it. Given that, the evening could have ended a lot worse. But we decided we were going to have fish and chips. Fish and chips were called for as a little treat. Now, since I don't eat potatoes, I said I'd have a big fish and give you the chips. Well, when the meal arrived, the fish was the size of one fish finger. I was shocked. You complained. Eventually, another fish arrived to accompany the first, eating in episodes. And that was before you made the rash decision to purchase a cake to go. It turned out that too had shrunk by comparison to the cake you usually treated yourself to at Bramley Farm. We never returned there. Still, at least we had our AirPods. Those AirPods that I bought that day still work. Also, I bought a pair of non-Apple Bluetooth ones only three months ago. They were £20. You mentioned them on After Hours. The only thing I don't like about them is that the Apple ones, when you take it out of your ear, it stops playing. With the non-Apple ones, it doesn't. Is that important? Only if I'm listening to a podcast or audiobook. If I'm listening to music, it doesn't matter if I miss some of the song. Why am I taking them out of my ear anyway? I wear them when I'm out walking the dog, and fellow dog walkers like to stop and talk, or strangers like to stroke Lola, or even give her a biscuit, and it looks rude if I ignore them. I decided yesterday that it might be an idea to see if the non-Apple ones could be set up to stop, and the short answer is no. With both the Apple and non-Apple ones connected to my iPhone, I went into Settings Bluetooth, and I tapped the eye icon against the Apple AirPods. 
One of the properties is automatic ear detection, which was set to on. I think that was the default. I certainly don't remember turning it on. And when it's set to on, this pauses the audio when the AirPod is removed from your ear. I checked the settings of the non-Apple ones and there is no automatic ear detection. I guess that's why you pay a premium for Apple devices. So I went to Amazon and I looked through my past purchases and found the page for the earbuds that I'd bought. I scrolled through all the blurb and I found a diagram showing that if you tap on a specific part of the earbud, it stops playing. It's still easier just to whip it out of my ear and just for that feature, it's certainly not worth the price difference between the Apple ones and the non-Apple ones. You forgot the funniest part of your cheap earbuds purchase. When they finally needed recharging, you had no idea where the cable was. You had the place upside down looking for a charging cable. Luckily, the problem was solved when you managed to locate a pack of five USB-C cables, bought for a completely different purpose. Anyway, new AirPods. No, they're not for me. I've had these four years now. They charge when they feel like it. They die when they feel like it too. The sound quality is great. I never use all of the Apple-esque features though. So things like you're talking about remove to stop and auto connect to all your devices, all of those features are turned off. I genuinely prefer the earbuds I bought a few months ago. The sound is fantastic. They're really comfy. I love the display on the front of the case that shows if they're charging and how charged they are. The battery lasts for weeks. That's probably how you manage to lose the cable, isn't it? I bought the white version of these things, but there were there were other colours available too. So there's black, red. I think there's some variation of pink, isn't there always? And I think there's possibly in other countries slightly different colours as well. The Bluetooth on it is totally amazing. With Apple Kit, I can only get to the office door before it starts moaning and disconnecting. With the earbuds, though, I often make it to the bathroom to clean my teeth before I realise I haven't actually brought the phone with me. And the earbuds never utter a sound of complaint. There's no disconnection. They just work flawlessly. Then, of course, something you didn't mention, but the AirPods Max. Yes, that's not happening. While well, I bought a top of the range Mac Studio and then some, to be honest, if I could upgrade it, I did. Trust me. I just don't feel the same way about headphones. While a computer just sits there, headphones need to survive being carried around or slung in a bag. And Apple Kit isn't really made for that. Given the cost and the case protecting, well, absolutely nothing on the first gen, I, I can't justify that. I would much rather buy a pair, probably somewhere between 50 to 80 pounds, and replace them if and when they die. The ones I've had now, I've had for a couple of years and they're, they're like new. The other option I've got if I'm spending 50 to 80 pounds is if I see a new set of headphones and I just fancy them, I'll buy them because I didn't spend 500 plus on them. So what about the Apple Watch? I should probably get a new watch. The one I have is a second-hand Series 3. You gave it to me when you got the 4. And it needs charging every day. In fact, I don't think a full charge even lasts a day now. I don't need anything fancy, so certainly won't be going for the Ultra. I just need it to tell the time, 
which, funnily enough, is what a watch should do. Count my steps and find my phone when I've lost it. Well, as I've said, my computer's top of the range and then some, but never with the watch have I done that. Functional is good enough. I am not interested in all the bells and whistles. I recall ignoring the first watch completely. I think that must have been announced the autumn of 2014. Because I remember going downstairs after the event and my mum saying, so was there a watch? And I said, yes. She said, are you having one? I said, no. (laughs) So I remember that. But when I took up biking, I was desperate for an Apple Watch then. So I did buy the second gen in September 2016. But I went for the least expensive. And I've done that for the other two watches that I've bought. I bought a Series 3 in 2017. That was when I handed the Series 2 down to you. And I did the same again in 2018 with the Series 4. When the Series 5 came out, I didn't think there was that much difference. If there had been a difference, I may have been tempted. But with the Series 5 and all of the models since, I've just not been tempted. So like you, it would be the lure of a new battery rather than new features. I can't imagine anything that they could add that would tempt me to indulge in a more expensive model either. So if I go for a watch, it would be for the battery. And I I can pretty much guarantee, unless it comes with a free gold bar, (laughs) this is Timmy, it won't, you'd be lucky to get a watch. Then no, it's going to be the cheapest model possible. Which leaves us with the phone. My mind is wrestling with this one. On the one hand, I've not had a new phone since 2019, so I'm about due one. On the other hand, there's nothing actually wrong with the one I've got. I remember when I had an iPhone 4S and that became so slow. I remember tapping the Spotify icon and waiting for about 30 seconds for the app to load. All that was missing was the screeches and the cassette tape. My iPhone 11 feels as fast as it did the day that I bought it. I checked the maximum charge capacity in the battery health settings and it was 82%, which basically means that although when it's fully charged it shows as 100%, it's actually as if it was 82% charged. A bit like inflation. £100 today isn't the same as £100 four years ago. A 100% charged battery today isn't the same as a 100% charged battery four years ago. I use my phone to record talking head intros for my YouTube videos, so I'm also interested in the camera. But again, it's not as if what I currently record is poor quality. It's 4K, 60 frames per second, so the jury's still out on this one. I've just checked my battery health. It's not good. It's 74%. So possibly even more reason to buy. But for the battery, I would probably stick with what I have. So unless Timmy wants to thrill me with something as yet unknown, you know, an unknown new feature. Oh, and Timmy, for the record, that does not mean colour-coded charging cables, braided cables, New stickers in messages, making the box 2% smaller or sticking the latest U2 album in there or any other similar smoke and mirror operations you may have in mind. Of course, it could well be that a new watch won't work with an older phone. Another Timmy trick to be aware of. I wish they'd concentrate on the core features rather than a rainbow of colours or a confused range of pro models, the Super, the Max, the Ultra, or whatever. 
The first iPhone only had storage differences. That was it. The 3G, which was our first phone, only came in two colours. Since then, it's just gone mad. I hanker for the simplicity of the options Steve Jobs favoured. The product ranges are now that complicated that you need three days after the event to decide which model you want. And then, of course, doubtless, if it's the popular one, you won't be getting it on launch day or any time soon after. It sounds to me like we're going to have more than a few decisions to make next week. Decisions, decisions. Poor Mike was subject to a rant this weekend, and I thought it only fair that you should be subjected to it as well. So picture the scene. I was trying to access a file on an external drive. I did consider plugging it into the new Mac Studio. Then I came to my senses. It was only going to start indexing 8 terabytes of data that I just didn't need it to. Plus the fact, fabulous though the Mac Studio is, an abundance of ports isn't really its strong suit. So, with my iMac virtually terminal and awaiting a return to the mothership for some TLC, even that wasn't an option. It was a perfect job for my MacBook Air. I dragged the MacBook Air out of its rack and I set it up on the desk. I figured it would need to be plugged in to charge. That was where the trouble started. I dutifully plugged it in. 30 minutes later, nothing. Much button pressing did briefly bring something to the screen. A battery icon telling me it needed charging. Really? You'd already been plugged in for 30 minutes by then. Now, I was using the charging cable it shipped with and the Apple power supply it shipped with. But I kept the faith. Stupidly. Another 20 minutes later and still nothing. Bad words were said. This was bought back in 2018 as a precaution, since my only other laptop was a 2012 MacBook Air. I figured I couldn't really expect that to last much longer. Now, I've only had three Apple laptops. My first was a 17-inch MacBook Pro in 2006, and it was a wonderful machine. But by 2012, it too was six years old. Although it still worked, it was getting slow. Now, it was my intention to wait until at least 2013 for a new laptop to replace it. But my circumstances had changed. My dad had been diagnosed seriously ill, and a few months after the diagnosis, he was unable to drive. I was charged with ferrying him to the hospital and doctor's appointments. Now, being iPad only back then would have been even more of a struggle. The 17-inch was too heavy and too big to be able to work comfortably in my car. If hospitals were in any way organised, I wouldn't have had to contemplate how best to set up camp outside for hours on end. On one of our first visits, his appointment was for 9.30. The doors didn't even open till 9. We arrived just after 9 and they went in. Mum accompanied him and before I knew it, she was back at the car telling me that they were behind massive air quotes. How far behind could you possibly be at 9.20? I'm glad you asked. Three hours behind. I don't think that's actually possible without a TARDIS, but that's hospitals for you. Another example was a quick, more air quotes, trip to the local GP for a simple blood test. That also turned into a drama of epic proportions. The GP is literally five minutes away. 
The test was scheduled for 10 minutes and then there was going to be a five minute drive back home. I made the fatal error of leaving breakfast until we got back. Four and a half hours later, I was exhausted, grumpy, hungry and dehydrated as we staggered back home. A major accident had managed to close the main road, causing a traffic jam from the ninth circle of Dante's vision of hell. Mum decided at that point that the ability to be able to work effectively in any circumstances while out was critical, so she insisted I buy a new laptop rather than wait. I couldn't fault the logic, but I couldn't help feeling that the timing could have been better. That was how come a 2012 MacBook Air came into my life. I deliberately bought the 11-inch model, so it was as compact as possible. The 11-inch model also had a 16-9 ratio, and that made screen recording much easier. It was a complete joy to use. Portable, compact and powerful enough to deliver a webinar from the car park of the local hospital using a 3G hotspot. I got a few strange looks, but whatever. Needless to say, having prepared for the demise of the 2012 MacBook Air by purchasing the 2018 model, the 2012 model stubbornly continues to amaze me. Having waited for the 2018 version to spring into life, (laughs) spring into life, it didn't happen, I gave up. I left the charging cable attached and I slid it back into its slot in the rack, my tech rack. I extricated the 2012 MacBook Air. It too was flat. I positioned it on the desk, attached the power cable and it instantly sprang into life. And I do mean instantly. Straight to the desktop. Within two minutes, it was 5% charged from completely flat and I attached the drive containing what I hoped was the file that I needed. No messing around, the finder window opened instantly and I used Howdespot to search for the file. Within seconds, I had it. Now, while I'd succeeded with the task at hand, that was when the air turned blue. How can a computer that is six years younger be so completely useless when you're actually trying to use it? I may as well not have bought it for all the use it is. Who's got hours to wait for it to charge to a level where it's prepared to actually turn on? I've always said that if I needed to use it on a Wednesday, I would need to turn it on on a Monday and give it a couple of days to ready itself. And this debacle just proves the point. I have no desire or intention to replace the MacBook Air with another laptop. Circumstances are now such that I work from home all the time. I have no need nor desire to leave the safe confines of MacBytes headquarters. If I ever do need another Apple laptop, I really couldn't go for anything other than a MacBook Pro, given my experiences with this 2018 MacBook Air. My mobile computing requirements are better served by a 12 and a half year old device, which is better than the one that's not yet five years old. Rant over. But really, Apple? Oh, this is one of those situations where I, I am just incensed. And you shouldn't leave me incensed, Timmy. It's not a good state for a woman of a certain age. And we're going live again on Friday with MacBytes After Hours. It is show 207. We have a great show planned. We have a detailed demo of a free app that we use almost every day. And somehow we haven't demoed it yet. Friday is the day. Then it's on to a special configuration demo of all the Affinity apps. There's some dirty hacks in there. 
Mike will be making magic in Excel as ever, and you won't want to miss it. It's Friday night, nine o'clock UK time. All you need to do is go to youtube.com slash Elaine Giles and the live show will be front and centre. And as ever, it would not be the same without you. And of course, we can't not mention the impending Apple event. Said event is on the 12th of September and we will, of course, be covering it live on MacBytes FM. It will start, well, Apple will start prattling on about 10am Pacific time, which is 6pm here and 7pm in Europe. But we will be going live an hour earlier because we can. And we will be discussing what we want to see, which doubtless will bear no relation to what we actually see. What do you want to see? Do let us know. We have a ton of work to do before then. We have bingo cards for a start. I know it's only for fun. But still, it's an Apple event and it wouldn't be the same without them. So do join us at MacBytes FM at 5pm UK time. That is 9am Pacific, noon Eastern and 6pm in Europe. We can't wait to share the event with you lovely MacBiters. It's also a long-held tradition to share what snacks you'll be consuming during the show. So do let us know what you're bringing. I'm hoping for gluten-free biscuits and a flask of tea from Mike before he leaves me in charge of the finances for the duration of the event. <laughs> dangerous, Mike. Very, very dangerous. But unfortunately, he's managed to double book himself. Obviously, there's the Apple event. That was one booking. And then there was his webinar, which was another. Sadly, they totally coincide. So, I can be up to all kinds of mischief and Mike won't be there to stop me. Ah, you've got to come along. Come on, who wouldn't want to witness that? So remember, that is 5pm on the 12th, MacBytes FM. Don't miss it. But that's it for this episode of MacBytes. As always, we'd love to hear from you. So please send your questions, comments and queries by email to the crew at macbytes.co.uk or use the contact form on the website. We also have a very active Slack chat room that's open 24-7. Simply go to macbytes.co.uk slash Slack and join the conversation. You can follow MacBytes on Twitter at twitter.com slash MacBytes. You can follow me personally on Twitter at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. You can follow me at twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash MacBytesiri. So until next time, this has been Elaine and Mike bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye. Goodbye and see you next time. Well, we survived it. Survived what? Survived their holiday. Only just, but yes, we did. Was it as bad as you feared it might be? No, it was worse. I thought it went better than expected. Well, at least the emergency services didn't need to be called. Has that happened before? Indeed it has. When was that? It was before our time, but obviously, I know everything. I bet you don't. I can assure you I do. I bet you don't know what's happening in 87 days. 87 days? Yes, 87 days. That's the 1st of December. I know it is. That'll be the MacBytes advent calendar then. See, I knew you didn't know everything. What else is happening? The crew are finishing for their Christmas holiday. On the 1st of December? Yes. Ye gods, if they finish any earlier it'll be at Easter. 
that's not the worst of it. It isn't? No, you haven't asked how long they are off for. I'm too scared to ask that. I'm not surprised, they are off for seven weeks. Oh, M, G, 